0: Street Scene Power Hour, you are here again with us, and we appreciate it, appreciate all the support from the community, and again, I'm joined by host Larry Ward, host Rick Herrera, and I'm Greg Roden, and we are honored to have T.J. Tennant as our guest,
1: and Larry, please introduce what he does, and take it away from here. I'd like to welcome my friend TJ Tennant to Armstrong Street Scene Power Hour. TJ, welcome to the show. Thanks, Larry. I appreciate you guys inviting me. Man, I'll tell you, we are honored because it's tougher to get you than a $2 steak, man. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> We're just a little bit busy. <laughs> you are. I'll tell you, let me give uh, our listeners and our viewers a little background on TJ Tennant and how we met. Every year, I, Roy Dykeman, the whole cast of characters from the Motorcycle Show would trek down to vintage motorcycle days. And uh, we would, of course, uh, from time to time sit in on various seminars. You know, we always thought that we were smarter than the guys given seminars, except when we came to this one seminar and it was about safety and tires and this and that. And we're like, oh, wow, man, listen to this guy. Let's see if we can throw him some curveballs. Well, I ended up giving him a damn t-shirt because he was so good at it. <laughs> and uh, he gave a great <laughs> seminar that day. And I've been fortunate enough to have this on several times on the motorcycle show. Uh, T.J. Tennant is a chief engineer retired for Bridgestone Tires, and that, of course, is anything that's got a hoop, whether it's a wheelbarrow tire or a motorcycle tire, airplanes, but mostly automobile tires. So we're going to talk to T.J. a little bit about his background. Talk, Tell us a little bit about uh, what it is you did do, what it is you are currently doing, then we'll get into some questions about, like I had asked years ago about tires tire pressure you know what to do what not to do how to check things so tj take it away wow i'm gonna have to come up with the proper lie to address all that
2: Larry. lie <laughs> <laughs> <Fly> away <laughs> i was formerly one of the engineering managers at bridgestone firestone i was a global motorcycle tire expert uh, i developed their first oval winning kart racing tire When I first came to the corporate office, I started doing the Ford Firestone fiasco and Bridgestone actually owns Firestone. And I kind of cut my teeth there on trying to determine why tires came out of service. And uh, I handled motorcycle tires. I got promoted to the corporate office and handled the motorcycle on-road and off-road racing back then, and also karting. And then I got promoted to open wheel racing. So I did a lot of stuff with that IRL, like the Indy 500 and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, that was a lot of travel. I really enjoyed it. Met some great people, uh, you know, just some just some really great people in, involved in racing. Um, that got to be too much because my son got a little older and we started walking and talking. So uh, I got out of that job and went back to being an a engineering manager and handle our government stuff, including Department of Defense retired from Bridgestone about a little over three years ago and started tenant and associates and tenant and associates and the tire guy is actually two companies tenant the guys from tenant and associates actually are expert witnesses in courtrooms and stuff like that they're kind of like the real life NCIS guys including me and then there's the tire guy section and those guys work with me to train law enforcement in tire forensics we also uh train uh technical maintenance type guys who work on emergency vehicles and uh, fire engines and stuff like that so we're a small team but we are really 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 busy I've been traveling every week since uh, March now so I've got a couple of days of downtime including this one fortunately so I can kind of hang out with some people that I like for a change
0: oh, oh, wait, that wouldn't be Rick uh, we leave him aside.
1: <laughs> we kind of have a a running joke on Facebook because every time I see TJ gone somewhere, then I'll immediately pop up with, "Well, then can I borrow the Ferrari Friday night?" With a lot of people, and it, it's kind of funny, but. I have a, a couple of quick questions we're going to open up with. First of all, you, you earlier before the show started, and again in your opening monologue, said something about out of service. That's a term that Joe Public never, ever hears. Out of service. Now, I think out of service. Uh, okay. what? The, why don't you explain that term? And then I wanted to talk to you about uh, how close the motorcycle industry, tire-wise, is becoming on, on uh, road tires. So we'll open up with out-of-service.
2: Tires that are out-of-service, uh, and that means exactly what it says, they're out-of-service, and they can be, become out-of-service due to aging, and, or they could become out-of-service due to a puncture or an improper repair, for whatever reason, that tire is no longer operable on a vehicle, we would consider that outer service. Now that is a little bit different than a tire that, for instance, blows out. And that's an interesting word because the tire does literally blow out because it's higher air pressure on the inside of the tire than than the regular atmospheric pressure. But uh, a lot of people say, hey, the tire blew out. That That is a general term, kind of an old term. And We've, that's like the iPhone 1 and we're on the iPhone 10 now. So the term mm-hmm. that I would really use if a tire becomes out of service would, would be tire disablement. And that is the standard term that's used yeah. in the tire industry. And one of the terms that we teach law enforcement when they're working in accident or something like that to make sure that they don't come across as presenting themselves as a tire expert.
1: Hmm. I agree with that. And, you know, let's get into the tires just a little bit. On the sidewall, for the edification of of our viewers and listeners, let's talk about the average numbers because I look at them when I buy motorcycle tires now. Uh, since I don't have a friend working at Bridgestone anymore. uh, (coughs) When I actually buy those motorcycle tires, uh, there are date codes on there, and you learn how to decipher them. But let's talk about the aspect ratio, the date codes. What are the normal things you're going to see on a car or a motorcycle tire that will help you determine if you still have good life left in those tires? Even though they're new, Mm -hmm. they could be three or four years of sitting you know, somewhere in a warehouse. Let, let's talk first about the DOT
2: date, which is, it's, it's not a serial number. Some people mistakenly call that a serial number. It is not a unique identifier to that one single tire. <laughs> uh, it, it basically tells someone like me, the first two codes tell the plant that it's located. There's a book call who makes it where that not only tells me what country, which is stamped on the sidewall, but it also tells me the city and state and sometimes the contact information which I may need if I'm working an accident case or, some, or just doing some general research. But the, the thing that most of you uh, laymen and civilians need to be cognizant of are the last four digits and they're always numerical. Uh, they sh- there shouldn't be any alpha or uh, anything right. like that on the last four. If you, we're gonna talk about the difference between scene four and scene three, but the last four digits the first two numbers would be the week that that tire's made. The last two numbers would be the year. So if it says 4621 as the last four numbers in that DOT, which is right there around the bead area, it'll start with the letters DOT and it'll be 11 to 13 digits, but the last four are important. So if it's got 4621, that was made in the 46th week of 2021. Now, Let's talk about if it's only get got three numbers at the end. And I hope you never see those. If it's got 46.2, that was made in the 46th week of 2002. And that tire is really old. Now, there's no law in the U.S. that says, hey, you have to pull a tire off and just get rid of it at a certain time. But there is a standard that's initiated, uh, I think, by NHTSA or something like that, the National uh, uh, Highway and Traffic Administration, Safety Administration. And what that says is that after six years from the DOT date, the manufacturing date, then that tire should be removed and inspected internally and externally each year after that six year up until 10 years. And then after 10 years, it should be highly recommended. And I must say highly recommended. it be, it be removed from service. And that's the standard and that DOT operates the same way on any street tire, whether it be motorcycle, passenger, and light truck, commercial. uh, If the tire's got a DOT on it, that's how it works, and that's what it means. Now, if you want to go to your local tire dealer and say, hey, I want to get a tire that's less than two years old, that can be difficult to do because the tires are manufactured, and then they're in the manufacturer's warehouse, and then they go to a distributor, and and then they go to a dealer, and, and you know. So typically you can get a tire if they rotate their stock appropriately between 18 months and two years old. Now, most of the tire manufacturers, if they have any tires at all in their warehouse that are 18 to 24 months old, they actually scrap those tires. You can't get them. They just totally destroy them. And so that way you are supposed to be able, if it's done right, get the, the newest tire or as close to its birth date as possible.
1: Now The, the question on these tires, uh, it, when they're sitting in a warehouse, you know, I've heard different things like, uh, especially on bicycle tires, like you want to keep them in a cooler climate away from the sunlight. Da, 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 da. Any thoughts on that on car? Well, not so much car, but maybe a motorcycle or, or a bicycle tire.
2: If, if you can keep them in the shade, that's a lot better. You don't want to store the motorcycle or the tires around any ozone-emitting uh, equipment. Ozone-emitting equipment could be an air conditioning unit or something like that. If you okay. can keep them out of direct sunlight, and I know people say, well, when I'm riding a motorcycle, I'm in direct sunlight. Yeah, you're right. But when the, when the bike's not moving or not being operated, you want to try to keep it in the shade. You've probably seen... Uh, some people you go by pass by their house and they've got a, a rv in their house and they got covers on the tires that's why they've got those covers on the tires to prevent ozone and what ozone does is cause crackings most people know it as dry rot on tires and uh, it creates that and makes it worse and there's certain chemicals that they actually put in the tires to limit the amount of dry rot that you see on tires and typically there is no level of dry rot that, I, that I'm aware of that's ever caused a tire failure. It's usually cosmetic, meaning it's just visual. But if you do have a, a high level of ozone for, for the retail side, it's one through three with three being the worst. On the engineering side, it's one through five with five being the worst. Then most of the tire manufacturers, if you say something about it, you take it to your local authorized tire dealer, then they will prorate you into a new set of tires, usually with no question.
1: Let's talk about under and over inflation. They both have an effect on the tire that's uh, negative. Uh, I've seen a lot of people, especially when you're traveling to Florida and uh, the ambient temperatures might be hundred degrees, and they got underinflated tires and they blow, you know, or something like that. So, talk about uh, the importance of correct inflation and what happens if you under or over. Okay, let's
2: talk about correct inflation first. Um... When you look, open your driver's side door, there's a little placard in that door seal that tells you a lot of information about your tires, your wheels. Sure. It tells you the size tire, it tells you the recommended air pressure. And that's important to try to follow that if you have the same size and category as what came as original equipment. Now, if you change tires, you got the same size, but it's a different, different main uh, construction say for instance if the tire that came on the vehicle was a P2357516 and that's on a pickup truck and you decide to go with an LT 2357516 that will and i must say that that will require a different air pressure than what's on the door placard doesn't matter if it's the same size it's a different construction so what you need to do then is contact your local tire dealer and tell them, hey, this is what the vehicle came with. They're gonna to need to know the, the front and rear gross vehicle weights. And that's what they're gonna base the air pressure requirement for this new tire. Also, another thing, if you change away, even if you go from the same size, but from a P metric to an LT, they're gonna to have to reset your tire pressure monitoring system because it's right. now gonna require a different tire pressure <laughs> rating on there that trips that delta or that that gap in when that thing goes off. So uh, let's talk a little bit now about uh, air, overinflated or insufficient air pressure to carry the load and overinflation. One of the things that we found here recently, and I was shocked to find this out, is people who drive hybrids and electric vehicles, they actually overinflate their tires. And what I mean by that they will put up to the maximum air pressure that's on the sidewall of the tire and you shouldn't necessarily follow that you need to follow what's on the door placard and i asked why they were doing that and they said well they want to get extra a little bit extra miles per gallon <laughs> well you don't you only get maybe 0.5 more miles per gallon when you do that but there's several drawbacks to over inflating the tire and by the way never ever Ever, never go over the air pressure rating that's on the sidewall of the tire. Just don't ever do that. So when you overinflate the tire or put too much air pressure for the load that you're carrying, and I want us to think differently about air pressure in tires. It's the load that determines the air pressure that's going that you're going to install in that tire. That's what's on the door placard. That's what that, that's based off of. You overinflate that tire, a couple of things are going to happen you're gonna raise the sidewalls up and now you're gonna be mostly on the center of the tread. So you got less tread on the ground. That's fine on a dry day, but on the day that it's wet, you're gonna have some stopping increased stopping distances because you've reduced the amount of rubber that's on the road. Also, one of the other things that you're gonna have a, a drawback with is that that tire is more susceptible to an impact break. And what I mean by an impact break is if you're driving a vehicle, it's got way too much air pressure for the load that's on the tire. If you hit a pothole or a stick or a two by four in the road, there's a high probability that you're going to suffer a tire failure or a tire disablement. Either one just as bad. Now let's go to the the other side, the, the yang to that yen, which is under inflation or insufficient air pressure to carry the load. When you're when you have insufficient air pressure to carry the load, a few things happen there too. You what happens is you start developing a cumulative damage to that tire as it's being operated with insufficient air pressure to carry that load. And you're adding a lot more heat to that tire. It doesn't matter what part of the country you're in, as that tire deflects, as it rolls around, it deflects, and it, then it deflects again. With each revolution, that tire develops heat because you've got friction between the tire and the road, the internal components of the tire, the tire And the wheel, which it should do because it's part of the suspension system. But if you develop too much heat inside of that tire for passenger and most light truck that's fibers like polyester, you can start weakening those fibers and damaging the inner liner of that tire. Now, one of the other things that you can also do with that is you limit the life of the tire. You can cut as much as 40% of the tire life out of that tire by running it with, it with basically running it with the TPMS light on. Once that comes on, you need to install some air in there. It's really, really important. Also, if you have insufficient air pressure to carry the load or low air pressure on your hybrid vehicle, now you've undone all the engineering that was put into that hybrid vehicle to give you those really good fuel economy, mileages and things like that. And speaking of hybrid and electric vehicles, one of the other things that you have to understand as well is that when you're ready to purchase another set of tires, you need to purchase a green tire. That doesn't mean the tire's green. It means it's fuel efficient. If you replace that, that fuel-efficient tire that came on that vehicle with a conventional tire of the same size, you're going to have a higher level of rolling resistance, and that's also going to limit your fuel economy. So it's really important to go back with a fuel-efficient tire on a hybrid vehicle or an electric vehicle.
3: When do you check your, when do you check your uh, tire pressure? You should you check, check it cold tire? or hot. You should check it
2: always cold. Uh, if you're out there your on time. the road, you need to park it for at least an hour and then check it and then apply the amount of air pressure that's needed according to the door placard. if you've got the same tight tires what came on there. One of the things mm-hmm. that I recommend, and this used to happen in my home state of Louisiana, guys would put big uh, flotation tires and things like that on their vehicles, and they call and say, hey, TJ, how much air pressure do I need to put in here? I recommended they get one of those little stencil things and put a label Over the door placard. So even if they took it to a third party to have that tire worked on, you could tell Mm -hmm. them, hey, the door placard's wrong because this is a different tire, but I've got some uh, little labels in there of what the front and rear air pressure should be. But all tires, passenger, light truck, motorcycle, actually, all tires lose pressure every month. And if you looked at a tire under a microscope, it is porous, it looks like a sponge you get a lot of air leakage through the, where the tire seals on the B, the, the, the valve and things like that. Uh, but for passenger light truck and motorcycle, you're going to lose about one PSI per month for commercial truck tires. You're going to lose anywhere from one and a half, probably two PSI per month. Now, this time of the year, there's something else you need to think about because it may be really cold at night and you get up in the morning and you TPS <laughs> lights on. You're like, what the crap, man? What happens is for every 10 PSI up or down, you will lose or gain one PSI of air pressure. So if it's hotter, by 10 degrees, you're going to gain one PSI. If it's colder, by, for every 10 degrees colder, you're going to lose one PSI. And that's why sometimes you can get up in the morning, your TPSI, TPMS lights on you. By the time you get to work, the light's off, and you're like, what's that about? Well, the tire actually heated up and the air pressure increased due to the friction of the tire and internal components.
3: Should you do anything about it? Like when the tire pressure goes up or what?
2: Anytime your (laughs) CPMS lights on, you need to make an adjustment to your tire pressure. You may Mm -hmm. not be able to make it that morning because you're late for work or something like that, like my wife always is. But anyway. (laughs) uh, (laughs) We'll send her a copy of this
3: show, Greg.
2: (laughs) No, I I banned her from watching any any (laughs) series that I'm on. Uh As soon as you get an opportunity, you need to adjust the air pressure and you know one question I get about that what if it's 70 degrees in my garage and 30 degrees outside, it doesn't matter, adjust your air pressure accordingly so that TPMS lights on. also you never, you never want to wait to put air in your tire till your TPMS light comes on because anytime a tire gets 20% or lower with insufficient air pressure to carry the load, you're doing accumulative damage and the, the tires don't repair themselves. So over time you could develop a tire failure and someone like me could come out and look at that tire if you're getting sued or you're suing somebody and actually tell that you ran the tire for uh, a sufficient amount of time to do enough damage to make that tire become disabled or failed. So every month, you want to check that air pressure to make sure that you've got the right air pressure in that vehicle. If you can, never, ever, never wait until that TPMS light comes on. How
3: about when we get to like classic cars and we set them all winter, and then all of a sudden they're flat spotted? Wait, is that the tire shot or what? No, usually no, we run no. them. Away.
2: Okay, that's a great <clears> question. What <throat> you can do is you can put the tire, the vehicle up on blocks, or. Go ahead and put, if you're not going to be operating the vehicle for any time, put maximum air pressure in it, whatever on the sidewall of the tire, and then move it every few months or so, so it's not sitting on that spot, because you can actually okay. develop a permanent flat spot in that tire. One of the like the old that, bias
0: ply tires, right?
2: Like the old bias ply, and sometimes uh, if you've got one of the modern tires, and you've got a vehicle that sets in the winter, up north, they usually have a winter t- a winter vehicle and a summer vehicle or mm-hmm. regular temperature vehicle. If it's a high-performance vehicle, if it's got a V-rated or H-rated or higher speed rating on there, you have rayon body plies in there, and it will develop a flat spot. You see that a lot in police pursuit vehicles where when it's cold, they get a thump until the tire warms up and then that goes away. That's because of that rayon uh, cap ply that's on there. And what that does is hold the vehicle. It doesn't let centrifugal force allow that tire to grow in the center at higher speeds it keeps it where the, the contact patch of the tread on the ground remains the same whether you're going, or similar, whether you're going 30 miles an hour or 130 miles an hour.
0: You know, I have to jump in here real quick. You know, there's obviously so much forensics to tires. I mean, you didn't realize we were the ones that go to the shop, say, I need a set of tires, put them on, pay the money, and we're done. PJ here is the one checking those tires when something happens. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that does happen to these tires. Um, I just had, you know, I'm sorry to jump in here real quick, but you know, I've got like these many questions. And I had to get I had to get one in at least because I think Larry and Rick are gonna take up the rest of the time.
3: Uh, <laughs> He's really TJ, you're really interesting.
0: I've never uh, uh never that's known unbelievable. all this stuff. You know, yeah. Remember back I remember when I was younger that, you know, when you're younger couldn't afford tires retreads your thoughts on retreaded tires because i've had my experiences with them and if you go down a road and you see a truck that's the tires peeled off how about that are they safer now than they used to be are they better technology or is it a no-go
2: completely? god yes they're much much safer as a matter of fact they're almost i would i would venture to say they're as good they're about as 90 uh, literally 99 as good as a virgin tire still oh, wow. one, uh, puts retreaded tires on the steer of a commercial truck which is where most retreads are now in the united right. states in canada and, and south america that's a little different <laughs> but, <laughs> but when you see those pieces of tread on the side of the road the majority of those pieces are from virgin tires, not retreads. And the way way that you can tell the difference is that if the steel is still attached, usually on the edges, on each edge of that piece, you can see the steel uh, pieces there, and that's a virgin tire. If it's just rubber and there are no steel belts attached to it, it is a retread. You will find that very rarely will you ever see just a retread tread that's on the side of the road. And that's because most people still have those misnomers thinking, yeah. if I got retreads, I really got to check them because these suckers will blow out or something. Yeah. But when they have a new Virgin tire, they tend to not pay as much attention to maintenance on that tire. And uh, sometimes th- that's what happens, the tire blows out. Or what I found a lot in the commercial truck tire market, because those tires are slightly different because you have a steer and then you have drive and then you have trailer tires. They put a steer tire on, and it may be the same brand, same name, same size, mm-hmm. but where you run into issues in the commercial market is that it's a different load rating. So they may save $50 to $100 instead of putting an L, which is the maximum load carrying capacity in a particular size. They put a J on there. They think it's not that big a deal, and I saved $150. But the pos- then the possibility of that tire being overloaded is very high, And we found through our series in courts and lawsuits and things like that on the commercial market, most of the time when they steer tires blown out with a commercial truck tire, that's what we found in in our lawsuits that we've handled for attorneys, uh, that they put the wrong load range on there and that tire wasn't able to handle the load. And that's pretty much cut and dried. And part of the problem is during some of that research with commercial truck tires going not necessarily to the tire stores, but to uh, the, the uh, fleet service areas, they don't realize that they, are, they see these three or four, as much as five different load ranges for the same size make and model tire. They, don't, they really don't take that very seriously and it can result often in the death of the truck driver or most of the time it's the, the steer tire on the driver's side that's gonna pull him into oncoming traffic on the other side and maybe that driver is not, doesn't become deceased, but the person that they run into does. And one of the things that we, we're able to do now, and we actually teach law enforcement this, is how to tell what, why the tire failed when the vehicle was totally burned up. And with a commercial truck tire, that's actually easier than it sounds because all the body plies are made of steel. And the word blowout is a very unique word because if it blows out and we look at that, what's left, usually just the steel body plies, it looks like a bowl of spaghetti. We know it's blown out. Now, if we go over there and the tire's burned up and everything's very neat and uh, it looks like uh, Clark Gable's hair back in the 1950s, <laughs> where they told <combed> me and they <laughs> have hair, it looks really neat. It looks like that then that mm-hmm. tire did not have a blowout. And that's a simple <clears throat> technique that you can use and also something that the jury, if it goes to court, can easily understand. Wow.
1: Amazing. The two, two, <laughs> if I could, uh, real quick, I've got two questions. And one will lead into the other <clears throat> turn it over to rick and greg uh the two questions i have is let's talk about tread depth and how air pressure and ambient temperature and the distance you drive affects that and then we'll slide right into tread wear which was important to me when i ran autocross okay
2: usually with an original equipment tire on passenger and and light truck they come with a, a slightly lower tread depth so say for instance you have tire x and it comes on your toyota camry that original equipment tire will come with less tread depth usually about 10 30 seconds then you see the tire with the same name and everything in the store it's got the road it got all the bells and whistles and it's got 11 to 12 30 seconds well why is that true and it's even got a mileage warranty well one of the things that uh, for original equipment tires is very rarely do you get a mileage warranty on an original equipment tire so you may have a toyota camry or a honda or whatever nissan and the original equipment tire got twenty thousand miles, and you're like, "What the freaking crap?" <laughs> uh, so you, call, you know, Toyota um, or Nissan or whoever. You say, "Look, this tire got twenty thousand miles. That is not acceptable." What they're going to say is, "Well, that tire was made by Bridgestone. You need to call them, or Michelin, or Goodyear, or whoever." Then you call the tire manufacturer. What they don't tell you when you purchase that brand new vehicle is that the specifications on that tire, and they'll usually have two or more vendors that furnish tires, are set not by the tire manufacturer, but by the automobile manufacturer. And when they set those specifications, the amount of mileage is not part of that equation, or very rarely so. They'll say, well, I want rolling resistance, I want uh, uh, oversteer braking, wet traction, that kind of thing uniformity, which is the tires round, it's not vibrating. Very rarely are they interested in mileage. So mileage falls by the wayside. But when you go back to buy new tires, you see a tire with the same name, same everything, but now it's got a, you say, this tire has got a 60,000 mile warranty. I bought, I know it does, because I bought them and they'll tell you, no, it's not an original equipment tire. So the specifications on the replacement tire, even if it has the same name, same size, same everything, are set by the tire manufacturer. And that's when they give you the 60,000 or 40,000 mile warranty. And that's one of the things they don't really tell consumers about when you buy a brand new car. So if you have a mileage shortfall and not checking the air pressure seriously exacerbates that mileage shortfall. I mean, there was a manufacturer, we were that the company that I worked for had original equipment tires. And because of the suspension system, the way that it was set up, it would tow in to make the vehicle. It was a sedan, but a sports sedan. It handled really, really, really well. I mean, it was a joy to drive. But if you put a bag of golf clubs in the trunk, you were lucky to get 10,000 miles out of those original. Oh, well,
0: just perfectly <laughs> balanced. <you know>? <laughs> so, <laughs> don't, don't haul anybody in your car. No, There's no. Put anybody don't in even the back put,
2: seat. Don't even put a child in the baby seat. Don't put any back. bodies in the
0: trunk. <laughs> So um,
2: we had to work with them to try to get their customers into another set of tires that were not original equipment tires. Now, there are manufacturers like Porsche and Mercedes and uh, who else? Uh, BMW. They have their own, and even uh, Chevrolet. If you look at the side of the tire of a Chevrolet tire, original equipment tire, or GM tire, (coughs) they don't have TPC. That is their identification code that says this tire is designed specifically for this make, model, and trim. And then Porsche has an ENCODE, N O one N 2 whatever. And then, of course, Mercedes has MOE, Mercedes Original Equipment, BMW. can't remember what their spec is. But some of them specialize in their own specification. So that can run a little bit differently. But you really have to try to educate yourself as much as possible, which is really, really a great reason to watch um, the street scene power hour because you you guys have got some great experts yeah. on this show yes
3: we do today's a good one you <laughs> <I?
2: laughs> they can help you they can help everyone that listens to this show understand more about what's right. going on with the products because tires are not cheap and i don't get discounts no. anymore no. So, <laughs> i definitely and one, one thing i want to tell everyone before we get off the air I need everyone that's within earshot of this show to check the air pressure in their daggum temporary
0: spare. Oh, <laughs> something you forget. And yeah. something I've forgotten when I've gotten a flat, and you're out in the middle of nowhere, and you pull the spare out, and it's flat. And it's like, how stupid am I for not checking that while yeah. I change the oil or something? hmm uh-huh.
2: Nobody checks their temporary spare, and then you have a flat, and you put a flat tire on to replace <laughs> the
0: flat tire that's taken <laughs> off. Like uh, which, huh? which rim do I want to tear up the worst, my nice aluminum rims or my donut spare wheel because both tires are flat?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, on the uh, tread depth, uh, TJ, how much tread depth, how much... W- w- I used to remember what it was a 16th of an inch would wear off every like thousand miles, something like that. Can you, can you share with that and then go to the tread where uh, that number and what that means? It depends tread
2: where the amount of miles per 32nd is what you're referring to. A lot of the commercial seconds, yeah. guys use that calculation to determine how many, how much mileage they're getting per 32nd. And, and that's important if you drive a commercial vehicle because uh, a lot of times people mistakenly look at, well, this tire's got, in a commercial application, it's got 18, 30 seconds. This one's got 12. I'm going to buy the one with 18. Well, the one with 18 may only get 5,000 miles per 30 second, but with the one with 12, may get 16,000 miles per 30 second. So you could actually lose money by buying the tire with the deeper tread depth. Also, a lot of people don't understand when their tires are worn out. You've got a tread wear bar in between the grooves. Right. On every tire. Every tire that's got a DOT code on it. Right. And uh, with passenger and light truck, that uh, bar is at 230 seconds. Now, one of the things I want you to understand is that when you've got a tire, if it doesn't wear evenly, say you've got three grooves in that tire, and you check each groove, and this one's got 630 seconds, this one's got four, and this one's got two, that tire's then worn out. So it goes by the fastest-wearing groove on that tire. And if you've got one of those grooves that's at two thirty seconds, it is done. No yeah. más trabajo. Listo for that product. <laughs> <tire>. It's done. <laughs> so even if you got 6.30 seconds on one side, when one side gets to two, it's over. Kiss the baby. Tell everybody you're closing shop. You
0: get a new tire on it. And wouldn't that tell you, you know, am I right with this, too? Um, normally, if you've got uneven wear like that you've either got uh, suspension problems or your car is way out of alignment and cupping and you know all that stuff on the tire yeah and and looking when you
2: look at your tires that's a good thing to do too is visually I say you all you use all five senses to tell what's wrong with a tire you can hear air seeping what with sound you got to look at it you got to touch it to see what type of wear whether it's getting feather edge wear you can even smell a tire I've had people. Who said, hey, a tire was bad, but they had the tire laying in antifreeze or some type of petroleum product. Like food.
0: You know, you <laughs> smell
2: it, you touch it. You... you can even taste them every time
1: <laughs> <laughs> Rock like you smell what I'm
3: cooking.
1: What? <laughs> hey Actually, TJ, the other oh the other thing that goes hand in hand with Tread wear uh, or tread depth is, is a little thing on the sidewall of the tire that's called a tread wear. And I, when I used to autocross, you know, if I could get like uh, oh, below 300, but still stay DOT, you know, like a Toyo 880 is a good low tread wear. It'll be a lot softer, but it'll wear a lot quicker. Talk about that. That's called a UTQG code.
2: And on the tread wear portion, if, uh, the way that they measure that is, uh, each tire company is different. And I don't like the way that they measure it at all. And then let me explain why. Because the tire company will have a baseline tire that they're gonna test all the tires in that sports or high-performance category against. And if your tire wears half as much or, or, or twice as fast, As the baseline tire, then yours, say if the baseline tire's got a 400 tread wear code on it, and your tire wears twice as fast, it's going to have a 200 for tread wear. So you're right. The lower it is, the closer it is to 200, the higher the performance of that tire is going to be, but the less tread wear you're going to get out of it. Exactly.
1: Now, if it's
2: approaching 400, that means it's probably going to be more a touring-type aspect tire. A rock. and. It's going to get equal to or better than the treadwear rating on the uh, baseline or the test tire. The problem that I have with that is everybody does not use the same baseline tire to test. Right. So you can take two tires, but one from one manufacturer, one from the other, both of them ultra high performance, and both of them say 200, and they don't mean they may not mean anything even close. to to the 200 market because one used one tire to to taste test as a baseline and one company used and they don't say what tire they used and so that's why I don't really like that and that was the the U.S. government getting involved and trying to make trying to make it easier for consumers to understand tread wear on tires and they just totally jacked that up I'm just going to say
0: that's not easier
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not easier so one of one of the, the places I go is and I'm not trying to advertise for them. I'm just going to say there's a website that I can go to and it's the largest online tire re, uh, retailer and they do a really, really, really really good job of, um, of comparing tires from different companies in different categories. They just do a great job. As a matter of fact, they're so good most of the technical service or the customer service people from all the tire companies use their website. They don't even use their own. We can probably take a guess what it is without
0: saying it.
1: So.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. We won't say that, but we know kind of what it is.
1: Yeah. You know, you know modern, modern motorcycle tires, this is my last question. And I, cause I want to make sure the guys get, get enough time, but modern motorcycle tires is, as we start coming forward in the evolution of them, Uh, Going from a single compound to now two and three CT compounds where hard in the center and progressively softer on the inside. What's your thought on that versus just buying a tire that has the tread wear that you want? You know, it's really
2: important. Motorcycling is really, really important to get the right tire for the motorcycle that you're riding. Right. So uh, whether I'm on my Ducati or on my BMW Touring bike or, or even like the GS series or something like that, it's important to get the right tire for that motorcycle. Now, let's talk about what you were talking about, 2CT, and that means the number of compounds that the tire's made of. And so right. you can have a, a more, and I don't want to say harder, because with the technology today, you can't really tell by sticking your thumbnail in and saying, oh, that tire's soft, it's probably sticky, but okay. it does not work that way anymore. So so you've got a very uh, aggressive uh, friction-resistant compound in the center, which most motorcyclists, especially on touring bikes, ride more time upright than they do leaned over. So that gives you the mileage that you want. And then you may have a a separate compound at the, the, the in the intermediately across the tread from the center to the shoulder that gives you a little bit more aggressive, a stickier compound for kind of going into curves and then if you really want to almost drag a knee on a big touring bike or even a sport bike it gives you a very aggressive uh compound that wears very quickly now one of the things i want to talk about if you have a dual compound tire is if you don't maintain the right pressure, especially on a big touring bike, man. Oh, those yeah. things are 800, sure. 850 pounds. I weigh 270 pounds. You got all that on there. <laughs> if you don't maintain that air pressure, when you roll over that really aggressive compound, sometimes later on in the life of the tire, you can look at it and there's some step down from one compound to the other. And that was caused by lack of maintenance. Basically, that person did not maintain proper air pressure and that's what caused that intermediate or even that further more aggressive compound on the side to wear faster. Now let's talk about uh, high performance motorcycles like my Ducati. Sometimes uh, the way the industry went they went from single compound then they started going to dual and, and triple compound. Now they appear to be swinging back for high performance bikes back to single compound because most of those guys spend their time at least I used to Uh, on the side of that tire not as much upright so it didn't do you any good to put uh, uh, a more uh, frictionless compound in the center because you want as much traction as you can for when you're on the throttle or on the brakes especially on that front tire and things like that on that and you're spending a lot of time going left and right and leaning and getting thrust angle type wear so you don't see that as much anymore because the sport bikes now man those things, are, it's crazy. 200 plus horsepower, 214. <laughs> yeah. that, I never thought I would have seen a motorcycle that has as much horsepower as my 1986 Mustang GT hat. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I would have never guessed mm-hmm. that. Now You didn't so have just, a V8 on it, though.
2: Yeah, yeah, I didn't have a V8. My thing had 200 horsepower and my Ducati has more horsepower than my Mustang GT hat. So mm-hmm. it's really important to make sure you do your homework, whether you're on a motorcycle, any type of motorcycle, car, pickup truck, to understand what you're getting involved in when you decide to purchase another tire. And you can't say, well, my buddy's got the same motorcycle, I've got a high booster, he's got a high booster. he got, you know, on the rear, he got 2,200 miles and I only got 16. Just because you have the same motorcycle, if all things were even, you are not going to get the same uh, type of tire wear because he may be harder on the throttle, harder on the brakes. You may be a little bit smoother. So don't take- Or lighter. type of, Yeah. You may not, don't take what your buddy's getting as uh, the example of what you should get because you're not probably not going to have the same riding style. So it's really important to do your homework. Always uh, do your homework, call the manufacturer, talk to them. Here's one thing that's really bad and disappointing about the technical experts at a lot of the motorcycle companies now if you call a 1-800 number and to try to speak with one of the technical people a lot of them are not motorcycle people they're car people and they've got like an faq that they're looking at oh, and, and if you're knowledgeable like the three of you are or me there may not be able to answer a lot of the questions that you want so A lot of times I use Facebook and go to some of the forums that are on there and and I don't look for what somebody says should happen as an expert. What I look for is, hey, what did you get on your bike? And then I do a consensus and try to figure out what product I should choose. And a lot of times you have a product like on my Ducati, Pirelli's work better. They're designed for Pirelli. Pirelli's designed for them. On the BMW, Michelins and things like that work better. So it depends. You also want to look at the type of, uh, of vehicle you're driving, that goes for cars too. Uh, and to decide which product
1: you want to get. You know, uh, down south, uh, well, when I raced, we used tire warmers. And, of course, it was a single compound tire, and you'd change the compounds varying on the track and the lane, stuff like that. Uh, so you had a concern always on heat cycles, the number of heat cycles. But when you're talking about a motorcycle tire that you use on the street, I would be concerned about heat cycling in the south, like in Alabama, Louisiana, where even though you have a 2CT or a 3CT, how, how what kind of an effect? And that is my last question what effect those I, types of heat cycles, you know? Okay, let's
2: talk about it on the street and the track, both. Okay. Uh, in the South, or even worse than that, in a Florida, uh, a southern pass south of Houston, where it's not only heat, but moisture. Two things. Okay. Uh, for a three compound, two compound for the tires on anything other than the, a bike you're going to use for track day, I would not recommend using tire warmers. I just wouldn't. And and also any temperature under 40 degrees, period, no matter where you are, I would not recommend riding oh, a motorcycle. I uh, didn't know that. Not yes, because tires, before. if you, if you look at the passenger car market, uh, or even the light truck, in, like in, in in the northern states, northeast New York and, and New Hampshire, they switch over the winter tires. Even in Canada, in Quebec, Canada, it's mm-hmm. mandatory to go to winter tires. Tires are made of rubber so they conform to the road surface. And so take the tires on my Ferrari. If I try to ride a, drive that thing here in Nashville and it's 30 degrees out, all the little electronic helpers are going to be constantly on because that tire is not going to have any traction. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's going to, it's going to get too hard. So there's, I, I guess there's winter tires made for Ferraris. I've never tried one, so I don't really drive that. <laughs> <Yeah. back. laughs> no, I, what, which Ferrari really you got there, TJ? I got a 360 Modena F1 Spider. Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, I don't know in, what that is, but it sounds fast. It is, and it's really cool. <clears throat> it's just, it's just fun. I don't really drive it fast. My son likes to go downtown with the top down and act like a movie star. But
3: oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. tell them, to,
2: tell them to pay for it when Thunder something burr. breaks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they switch to winter tires. So most manufacturers do not, and I want you to understand this clearly: do not sell or ship motorcycles tires to Canada in the winter because if. If you're just holding that in your hand or even an ultra high performance automobile tire, you drop it. It will crack just like ice. Uh Really? Yes. Uh So an all season tire works really efficiently between 40 and probably 80 or 90 degrees. And then an ultra high performance tire, like what's on my Ferrari with a Y speed rating or bracketed Y speed rating, which means for speeds over 186 miles an hour, that tire works great in the summer. As it gets cold, you think something's wrong with the tires it because they the rubber doesn't conform to the road surface as well. So with motorcycles motorcycles are basically ultra high performance tires with the compounds that they use compared to automotive street tires so in 40 degrees or less. You're taking a serious, serious, serious chance on a motorcycle.
1: I've ridden my bike in the four in at 25 degree weather. (laughs) You're you're, you're scaring me, brother. You're scaring me. (laughs) You got to get the thing. You know, back then you had to leave the last week of February. But a real concern is that Rick has been driving on those old Firestone tires that blew out and had tons of losses. Rick, (laughs) you want to talk? (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. wait a minute yeah the uh, the uh yeah i remember getting those replaced on my uh my old explorer they called yeah. me in and they kept calling me get these firestone tires in i think they were the what were they the wilderness
2: back wilderness atx is on those oh, oh my god it was god. the they 5 rid of those. 500s and they had a few yeah
3: <laughs> hey, I, just, I just got some Goodyear comfort uh Comfort tires on mine. Yes, they Comfort Drive tires, all four. I don't know how good those are, but uh, all, they all
2: recommended the, them. All the tire manufacturers today do a really, really good job. Everybody learned a lot from the, mm-hmm. Ford, uh, the, the Ford Firestone fiasco back in the uh, early 80s, late 90s. And that was kind of a test tube for all tire manufacturers to understand what you could and couldn't do. Uh, with Ford saying, you know, the soccer moms in the era of the soccer moms uh, saying, hey, this thing rides like a truck. Well, maybe because it's on a truck chassis. (laughs) You can can lower the tire pressure about 20 percent and it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. But the tires are going to blow out. And then i learning a lot about having tires that would last due to compounding 80, 90,000 miles. But the casing of the tire wouldn't hold up as well. So there's always some trade-off there.
3: When you're talking tire mileage up to like 70,000, 80,000 miles, are you losing anything? Are you losing
2: any comfort with that? You're not going to lose comfort, but you're going to suffer big time on wet traction and handling. Mm -hmm. Big, big, stupid, crazy loss on wet traction uh, because that technology doesn't exist today. Of course, there's a lot of new technologies like Michelin's got the Twill, which is the airless tire Goodyear has theirs, Bridgestone has theirs. But the problem with that tire, because there's no air in it, you can't adjust it to the load that you're carrying. So Polaris is using those airless tires on a lot of their uh, ATVs and, and what, uh, SUVs and stuff. What are they putting in them? What are they putting in them besides there? air? There's no air in them. There's like a, a waffle type. Uh, plastic or rubber that's in I
3: was going to ask you about those tires. Is that the tire of the future? I see like those big earth movers have them and I've seen
2: Mercedes had them on a few of their cars. They did, uh, Mm -hmm. but they're still working on that technology so that uh, you notice they'll never probably be in like a pickup truck because a pickup truck is a pickup truck. They're going to assume somebody's Mm going to haul a load or tow a trailer or something like that. And you can't adjust that tire to that significantly different load that would be okay. applied to it if you put something in the bed or or uh, towed a trailer or a fifth wheel or something like that. They're still developing that technology. I'm not there yet. Uh, uh-huh. as, far as uh, I mean, if it's on an ATV or something like that, off road, and also you got to take speed in consideration because that adds a lot of friction and heat to that tire too. Then you can't adjust for higher speeds. So uh, the technology is still developing. I'm always excited to see new tire technology or vehicle technology as a matter of fact we're, we're going to be doing um, uh, uh some training for some technicians who work on fire apparatus and there's several believe it or not hybrid fire trucks ladder trucks and things out there and, and with uh, uh an electric vehicle you need to think about some of the technology in that because these things have instant torque instant. Mm -hmm.
3: Sure they do, yeah. So
2: the tire manufacturers have to design a tire that can withstand that torque and still hold up efficiently because you got all this torque which could result in lug-based tearing and stuff like that. So they've got to design a tire differently from a fully uh, electric vehicle versus a hybrid vehicle versus a gasoline engine versus a a diesel engine because all of them have a different band on that torque and that horsepower curve on those vehicles and they've got to design a tire Based on the torque and horsepower curves. Are you a consultant
3: at all? Do you go like to uh, truck companies and consult them on and stuff? And do they hire oh, you.
2: Yes, we <laughs> always get calls from big fleets, and mm-hmm. most of the time they just want to be educated. And uh, we spend a couple days there looking at their fleets. And some of them, a lot of what, some of the things that we've been getting asked about now is they've got size proliferation in their fleet, meaning. They got all these different sizes and they don't have enough warehouse space to keep all these different sizes and types of vehicles, of tires. So what can we do? And then we consult them on types of vehicles to purchase on future and, and vehicle life cycles and things like that, especially in government fleets, because they don't have a lot of money. And some of them think the longer you keep the vehicle, uh, the the more value, the more money you save. And that doesn't always work that way. So we recently worked with a big government fleet on the West Coast and uh, they had ambulances that they had just ordered and they didn't have enough load carrying capacity on the ambulance. So wheels were breaking off <laughs> and they called an us- an ambulance
0: of all things.
2: Wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they called us and said, hey man, uh, can you help us? And I said, oh, what, what's going on? Get, first thing I'm gonna ask for is what tires you have on there? I need pictures, lots of them. And I need door placard information so I can see what load. And basically they ordered the right configuration for maybe five or 10 years ago, but with all the electronics and equipment that ambulances carry now, they didn't have enough uh, comfort zone or cushion there for load carrying capacity and the wheels were breaking. And, you know, that's really interesting because when you, if you try to put light truck tires on your truck, like I was saying they do in my home state of Louisiana and it came with P metric tires, guess what? Those wheels are P metric wheels. So a light truck tire in an E-load range can have upwards of 80 PSI in it. Then if you try to put that on a P-metric wheel, which is designed for a maximum of maybe up to 51 PSI, you can actually blow the wheel out and have a tire fail. Wow! Wow.
3: Hey, TJ, is there anywhere you can go to study tire technology and uh, what you know?
2: Like, is there any college courses on that or something like that? We offer a course with my group and that's the only course in and at Tire when I say we teach tire forensics we teach everything that a reconstructionist or an officer or anybody for that matter wants to know about tires what to look for mm-hmm. how much pressure where to find that information we teach a course like that Uh, but I'm not aware of anyone else. Most of the, well, all the courses that we've seen that say they're tire related courses are basically sales courses. They're taught by salespeople and they're trying to sell you a tire. We don't really sell anything. Our goal is to educate uh, the law enforcement people, the reconstructionists, the technicians or the fleets about tires and how to reduce uh, liability. Uh, If someone wants to know about our courses or something, they can they can actually email me direct at the tire guy, the tire I guy. How <laughs> you spell tire? Tire with a Y. A tire a, guy. Uh, at yahoo.com. Yeah. And uh, I will send them, if they want to come to one of the courses, uh, I can send them information. Or a lot of fleets say, we want a course designed, customized for our specific fleet. We do that as well. We go in, look at their fleet, what vehicles they have, what kind of <laughs> mileages they're getting. And if you own a fleet and you want to understand what's going on with your tires, the biggest and best way to do that, and you would think this would be common sense, it's not. But the best way to understand your fleet is to keep all the tires that you took off, all your vehicles for three months, and then you go in and do a fleet survey to determine why those tires came out of surface. And 100% of the time, it's so crazy because they think, Oh, we're just wearing them out. And then when we show them how to look at the tires and become tire whispers and understand that the tires are teaching, they're like, oh, we had no idea. That's why they were.
3: (laughs) They're really interesting. And I never knew there was so much technology (laughs) to all this stuff. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah.
2: I, I I live, sleep. Eat I, and think tires. I see that. There. <laughs> you eat tires. I mean, it <laughs> tastes like chicken. I tried.
0: Yeah.
2: The chicken. Sometimes they taste like possum, but possum uh-huh. is a little more greasy than chicken. Well, like how'd you you in, TJ, how'd you get into this? You know, when Bridgestone hired me, I basically needed a job. Uh-huh. And, uh, I didn't know what I was getting. And I got into it and I, I loved it. And, you know, tires and what we do at tenant associates isn't a job for me and the people that i work with it defines who i am tj tenant as a person uh you know i've had people at some of our seminars and training sessions they see me giggling i'm running around i'm having fun and they're thinking i've never seen somebody that's so passionate about yeah tires. i tell you you are <laughs> i don't know if it's passion i just think I was born and bred to do what I do. Whether I'm in the courtroom, whether I'm training, whether I'm doing a keynote, it doesn't matter. I relate everything to who TJ Tenet is, and actually, the, my trademark, the Tire Guy. This is Ron Flat, R-O-N-N F-L-A-T-T. R-O-N-N-F-L-A-T-T. So uh, people would <laughs> see me in the airport and they say, oh, "Okay, that, I got that's
1: it. the Tire Guy."
2: They, sometimes they wouldn't name my name. They say, oh, "Aren't you the Tire Guy?" And mm-hmm. that's how I came up with the name, the tire guy, but tire spelled with a Y, because we do quite a, biz- a bit of business overseas. We even do online training. And they spell right it. The end of- COVID. Yeah, they spell it with a Y the, over there. The, the English. Yeah. Yeah. But <clears throat> even, uh, you, you have someone who professes to be an expert or something like that. Even when we do our presentations, they're not our presentations, the presentations belong to whoever we are designing them for. And every presentation we do is different because they're all customized. So when we do a presentation, if someone asks a question and it's in the back of the presentation, most presenters will say, oh, just hold on to that thought. No, we go there. We go there right then because it's for you. It's designed for you. And if I'm not doing something like that and giving you what you need, uh, I'm not doing my job. And if I'm not passionate and having fun talking about tires, why should you be interested? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you,
0: you know what? I'm going to have, you know, we've got one minute left, and I'd like to thank Rick and, and Larry for screwing me. And I got one question in the whole time, and I he's had so, this you know, list Greg, He's, he's so
3: interesting. I, I know, know, I know. I just,
0: I'm just like, yeah. I'm, I'm blown away. And if you really, if you, if you have a fleet, if you have any questions at all that TJ can uh, answer for you, the tire guy, the tire with a T Y R E guy at yahoo.com. And he is the guy to ask. He is the knowledge guy to ask about tires. Yeah. That he I'm is. blown away. Yeah. I, I can't, yeah, find I head am, like really. this. I can't. We can, can't.
3: Talk, to, we can talk, TJ. We could
2: talk to you for a couple more hours. You're
3: yeah, so yeah, it's so interesting. I tell
2: it's, you. It's, we do a three day class
0: and it's always not enough time. I, I can uh, imagine yeah, one yeah. hour here was. I, I learned so much, I can't believe, and if you think of tire forensics, if you're going out and buying a tire, you think it's just a tire, you need to talk to TJ Tennant, and he will say, it's not just a tire, it is the tire, and this is why, so, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'd like to, TJ, it's been an honor having you, we would love to have yes, you Yes, it has. Yes, I'd love it to has. have you back, and start, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Maybe I'll maybe I'll make up some questions, and I won't invite these two guys to join me because it's all they took up the whole time.
1: I'm so sorry. I, I'm
0: going to keep my questions for you. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Larry Ward, Rick Guerrera, and I'm Greg Roden, and we will see you down, down the road. The road.
1: When it comes to internet service, you get it all with Zoom from Armstrong. There's unlimited data for unlimited downloads, low latency for seamless streaming and gaming, plus an unmatched fiber network for speeds that can't be beat. Find out for yourself. Go to armstrongonewire.com zoom and get high-speed internet for as low as $34.95 a month. No contracts, no hidden fees. Just internet made easy. That's Zoom Internet from Armstrong.